0: Hi and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxey's Church in Saxey, Texas, and me, Micah Fries the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here.
1: All right and welcome to another episode of EST. We're joined by all of the team, Mike and myself. We're so excited to talk about tonight's topic. We're going to be discussing something that's very, um, I don't know, it's kind of a big deal. And I think a lot of new pastors may find themselves in a lot of trouble if they think too heavily on one side of the issue or not. It's a huge deal. But before we get to that topic, I want to make sure that everybody is following us at twitter.com um, EST church. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter. If you're not, I really don't know how you heard about this, but i um, glad that you stumbled upon it and that you're listening here with the iTunes. So as I said, big topic, something that could get us in a lot of trouble. And the topic that we're talking about tonight is invitations, it's called the public call. You know, you get done preaching and then, you know, in most, uh, particularly churches in the South, a lot of Baptist churches, I'm sure other denominations as well. There's maybe just as I am playing on the organ. How do you handle that when you go into an established church? Um, I know how we handled it at Saxey's Church. Sam, well, what do you guys do down there in Florida? You guys are slayed back. I can't imagine you have like a—
0: Hang, hang on just a second, Sam. Before that? you answer that question, yeah. I want to just talk about two things. First, the way that Josh says the Twitter. The and, Twitter. It's
2: the Twitter. Uh, Twitter. It's
0: the Twitter. And, uh, yeah, and then— um, and I can't remember what it is you said. Something else. You used the before it, and I was just dying. It reminds me of, uh, you know, when George Bush talked about being searching the internets for the Google. Yeah. And uh, I so. Love w. You
1: guys you know, are both th- from th- When I lighted, lighted I stuff. thought
2: <laughs> maybe they'll let me slide on that. Maybe You that. like the definitive article, right? That, We're talking about a like definitive it. article. That's the. Right. That's that's. We should just start. Listen, from here on out, you will be referred to as the Josh. I was
0: actually about to give you props for being like the social media king, and then you said Twitter. Twitter. I I, I don't Um. know what happened. It
2: came out. (laughs) So the invitation. And let's all, let's all address the obvious. All right, we have the three amigos back. Finally, yes, all three. It's been a little while. It's good to have to see both of your faces. So. uh Welcome back, all of us, together. See, Sam um, is
0: clearly a man of much grace when he enjoys seeing our faces, Josh. We are
2: not best looking We're not the
1: best-looking
0: guys. That's not, why you're not Sam close. is the good-looking one. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly oh, right. That's
2: right. Let's, please, let is, let's not go down We're this. handing out
0: dundies tonight, and Sam wins the best-looking <laughs> men for the podcast.
1: I think we should talk invitation? about altar calls now.
2: Yes, yeah, now let's we'll, talk about those.
1: you guys do an invitation down in
2: Florida? Yeah, actually we uh we kick it kind of old school. We do a, a public invitation on altar call response. time. We call it response time okay. uh, because we're real laid back apparently. Yeah. Um we call it a response time at the end of our services and we we do it every week. Um but you know for us it's uh it's it's a demonstration of how God is moving us. So I, I think a lot of a lot of uh, what you a lot of the success, quote unquote, of an altar call is, is really about how it's used as, as a tool, because it's just it's a tool of many. So what I'll do is, I'll you know, it's after the proclamation of the word at the end of the service, you know, right after the sermon. I, you know, I tell people, hey, if the Holy Spirit is working in your life and you want to visibly demonstrate your obedience to God, some of you may want to come and pray. Some of you and I'm, I'm usually up there. You may want to talk to me. You may want to um, have me pray with you. Um, so it's it's more of just hey if this is if you feel the holy spirit moving visibly demonstrate that that you're obeying god um, so it's it's an act of worship as much as it is um a response time i guess i don't know what do you guys do
0: yeah we do a traditional response time in every service and remember we've got You know, we've got the two different venues. So we have a very traditional suit and tie choir and orchestra venue. It's where I preach today. And then we have a very contemporary blue jeans and a band. And, um, you know, don't tell anybody, but I even think we have a little fog machine every once in a while in there. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, Seeker? you know, yeah, I know, but it, it makes the lights look really cool when they it shine does. through it, so really I guess does. that's why yeah. they do it, because they tell me it makes the lights pop. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just We have
2: a, we have a fog pretty... machine, too. It's just really old carpet, and when people yeah. walk, that dust <laughs> kind of <laughs> sprooms up. up. Wow.
0: <laughs> you mean the, the sand from the beach, since you guys are located down yeah. close there. Yeah, yeah we, that's what that
2: uh, dust is. It's sand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we do an, an invitation, a response time, we, we like to say that, like you do, Sam, that it's a time of worship. I, I say this every single Sunday, that our response time is a time for every single believer to respond to the message, that nobody gets a free pass during the invitation. Um, and I think, you know, sort of the, the way the invitation has been treated by most Christians in most evangelical churches for a long time, at least in my lifetime, is you know we all we all kill time by singing a song while one or two people do business with God, and so we try to reframe that at our church and we say we we place this song here as a means to help all of us respond to the word and if anyone in particular needs to speak to a pastor needs prayer, um, you know wants to follow through and make a decision for Christ, then we usually have at least two or three pastors at the front of the auditorium to receive people. Even in a smaller church environment, I think it's good to have a couple of people up there to receive people if you can. And uh, and so, yeah, we try and treat it that way so that we make the response time, the invitation, something for everybody to be involved in as a means of responding to the Word, but also recognize that there are opportunities for people to speak to a pastor if they need to. Mm. Josh, what about you guys in Tejas.
1: Yeah, yeah. In Dallas, um, what's interesting is we'll get a number of guests that will come by, and I've heard on more than one occasion that we're the only church within our region that they visited that had sort of a response time or a uh, a public invitation or a public call. Now, I know a lot of the churches in our area. I don't think that's accurate. You know, these, these guests haven't visited um, every church in our area, of course, but... Um, It is true that a lot of churches are moving away from this. And when I ask, sort of, well, how do they end? They say they just end and they're done. And and they're like, see you guys later. Some will do a video of announcements and stuff like that. And they they just kind of dismiss. We do a response time. Um, It's very specific to the text that was preached, the the, the direct application, which goes back to my um, conviction that I preach to Christians. And and sometimes nonbelievers are in there, but that's a different discussion. So it's whatever the text brought forth and whatever they're supposed to be um, kind of responding to. That's what we do. And um, like I said, it it, it is sort of, um, it's still a thing. Not maybe two weeks ago, I had a guest come in and it was his first time, him and his wife, and he asked me, he said he had two questions. I don't remember what the other one was, um, but one of them was, do you give an invitation at the end? And this is before we even started service, so I just said, you're just going to have to wait and see. If what we do counts for whatever it is you're looking for, and uh, so afterwards he said it was good enough. So I guess that's that counts
2: as an invitation. But it is a thing to pay. that
0: is my favorite response. Well, that's good enough.
2: Yeah, that's. Good. I, would, I would say, well, does if it's good enough, does that mean you're coming back?
1: Yeah. Well, he does. He did. He came back. So oh, good. Um, I think it was. Did he? Good did he join?
2: Did he ultimate? Was the church good enough to join?
1: Well, not. Well,
2: it's been two weeks, so um, we'll see.
1: Uh, we'll see how he does. You know, and the and one of the reasons I think this is a good um, topic to bring up is I've got a friend of mine who took a church, was under the sort of the conviction against maybe the abuses of the invitation on public hall, and sort of cut it completely out of the church. I mean, almost on day one, cut this, cut this practice at the end of the 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 message completely out of of their weekly services, and it started a fight, as you might expect. It started kind of a, a big deal. Have you guys ever seen any other abuses, maybe on one side or the other when it comes to this topic?
2: Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of guys that want to cut it or that they have cut it out of their services. And I think to, to great detriment, I think that's one of the problems with changing things in the established church just in general is that we will look at something and say, hey, it's it doesn't work as well as it should, so let's just cancel it. And then we never replace whatever it is with something better. Mm. So I kind of have the philosophy in my own church, and I tell my staff this: Hey, we we got some things we got to work on. We we have things that we can definitely do better. But until we have something that can replace it that is better, let's not go canceling it. That mm. doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless it's just truly something that's detrimental to the church. But most things aren't. So yeah, if you've got a response time and and you just you just don't have a better idea right now, I'd keep it if if uh, if I was you.
0: Yeah, I think that's really wise just regardless when it comes to established church behavior and how do you how do you engage in the established church sam with respect to not just the response time or invitation but just about anything we do Uh, with that said i think it's probably fair and i think all of us would agree that we don't think that there's any sort of divine um, obligation to do what we would know today as a public response time or an invitation Mm -hmm. Uh, we probably find it a useful mechanism Um, to help people have an opportunity to respond. Uh, But if someone is in a church that doesn't do it, or maybe they do transition to church, as long as they do it well, the church is on board, they don't use it as an issue of division, they can certainly honor the Lord and people can respond. And I know people, you know, they always like to throw examples like Charles Spurgeon up. And of course, he had people lined up around the block on Tuesday afternoons to respond to the message from Sunday. So if you've got that going on in your church and you want to kill the invitation, I, I would say, feel free to do it. But I mean, generally speaking, um, if you have a mechanism for people to respond, you know, I think all of us would agree. We don't think, and maybe I'm wrong. You guys tell me if I'm wrong. We don't think it's divinely inspired, but we do think it's a helpful mechanism to help people have an opportunity to respond to the Lord. Am I right about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But let oh. me ask you this, Mike. maybe some of our listeners are, are listening right now and maybe they're in a setting or taking a church, maybe their first church, something along those lines. And they're going, why would anybody have a problem with this? Why is this yeah. even like, yeah. I've never heard this being controversial. What are some of the, maybe the negatives of it? We, yeah. we don't believe it's necessary, but sometimes it can go wrong. What, what do you got on that?
0: Yeah, I would say there's a, a number of things. Um, if, if you've grown up in the evangelical church, uh, particularly Baptist churches, you know, like, like I did, you, you'd probably see a number of things. Hyper-emotionalism would be one. Um, you know, I can remember singing like seventeen and a half stanzas of "Just as I Am" and hearing the pastor say it out, you know, publicly, out loud, just begging people to come. I know there's just one more who's here, you know, who's ready to respond. We're just going to keep on singing until he comes. And I, mm-hmm. as a kid growing up, I used to think, "Oh, not again," <laughs> you know, not another verse. <laughs> and uh, and so emotionalism can be one preying on people's emotions, trying to trying to um, convince mm-hmm. them of something. You know, I preached on evangelism two weeks ago at our church and. One of the things I said is if, if I can convince you into Jesus, somebody else can walk behind you and convince you out of it. So we don't want the wow. invitation time to be an opportunity for us to sell Jesus. It's not sales pitch time. Uh, hyper-emotionalism is one of them. I think um, short-circuiting the work of the church, the, biblically, uh, the biblical call of the church is another thing. So, for instance, how many times have you been in a church that has a public invitation? For instance, someone comes up for membership. It's the first time you've ever met them before. They walk up during the invitation and say, Hey, we want to present ourselves for membership. And the pastor says, Amen, prays with them, gets a little card. And then as soon as the service is, as soon as the invitation's over, he brings them right back up and says, All right. Um, all in favor of accepting these folks into membership, say aye. And all opposed, say no. And you have no confidence about their genuine right. conversion. And does their faith and you know life give evidence of the gospel? And are they coming in good standing, or did they just come from another church where they devastated that church? And so uh, that that short circuits what the purpose of the church ought to be. And one of the purposes of the church ought to be um, to affirm that your conversion is true and is real and is legitimate, and that you're walking in faith with Jesus. And so. You know, those would be just a couple of examples. Sam, what about you?
2: Yeah, I'd say that if, uh, if if you're a new pastor or someone who has a response time or you're thinking about even adding a response time, if you pastor an established church, at some point someone's going to come up during the time of invitation and say, I'd like to give a testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, uh, <laughs> which is very dangerous to hand somebody a microphone yeah. at the end of the service. So I would have a plan if I were you uh, to uh, to deal with the folks that are inevitably going to come up and say, I'd like to share something at the end of the service. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've learned the hard way that that's not a good idea um, to just hand the microphone to uh, some random person um, so yeah. that they can say whatever they want to say. So the time of response is not really – you know, the opportunity for you to tell the congregation that you're going to do a fundraiser, uh, you know, with, uh, with the local community garage sale. Um, it, yeah, just not not a good idea. So I am in favor of having time of response. I'm actually in favor of it, doing it every week. Uh, but I would be very careful uh, at the end of the service not to just hand the mic to, to whoever I would I – would, Guard the pulpit with sticks in, in, in that way.
0: How about you guys? But I, uh, there's pretty much never a time I would be comfortable with someone unexpectedly speaking in a surface. and mm-hmm. and maybe I'm hyper protective about that. Maybe I need you know loosen up a little bit. They maybe there's no
2: Holy Spirit in you, Micah. No,
0: evidently fear. not. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I yeah, we problem. don't
1: allow that either. This I mean, we're to God directly, right. and going um, well, to tell publicly
0: later. Yeah, yeah. And, and by, the, way, by the way, I do think that's one of the misconceptions about the public response time, you know, I, and it's for a public invitation. I'll hear people say, well, you know, the Bible says if you'll, you know, if you won't confess me before men, I won't confess you before the Father. So see, me to have a public invitation to, so that people can confess you before men. And I would say, well, no, that's the point of baptism. Baptism is when we publicly confess Christ before men. Mm-hmm. And so, again, invitation is a great mechanism. It's not divinely inspired necessarily, uh, but it's a great mechanism.
2: So may mm-hmm. I so ask this, Micah. Maybe this is a whole other topic for a whole other podcast. Yeah. You ever done a spontaneous baptism?
0: I I have not, and I will not. Hmm. <laughs> That's just me personally. I'm and writing I know there that are down for another podcast, you.
2: because I think this I baptism not, question would be not. huge.
0: <laughs> and now— uh, I
2: hear it's somewhat controversial. I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, maybe I'm just hearing, hearing <laughs> things. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of it does depend on your view of baptism and conversion and church membership and— all of that's tangled up in it. Josh, what about you? you do spontaneous baptisms?
1: We do not do spontaneous anything. Everything is planned. No. The same Holy Spirit that can lead <laughs> no, people.
0: That's right. Yes, yeah, say it, Josh. Finish the that The same saying. Holy
1: Spirit that can lead people, instantly can lead them months, weeks ahead. He's um he's really organized, and I really they like him.
0: I say glory to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will say this, just a little plug. Um uh, Micah mentioned, of course, um, membership and using the invitation for membership, and we talked a little bit about that topic. Sam and I did in our new members' classes podcast, February seventh. If you haven't listened to that, go back and check that out. I will say another man that thing. was smooth. That was a smooth plug I'm right there. I like this. that. I, I'm, I'm working on this. I listen to uh, other podcasts and they do stuff like that all the time, so I'm I'm trying to work on that. So another thing that can be and this is something I've seen, and one of the reasons why I really guard that invitation or response time is not only the playing on the emotions, but the, the manipulation. The, the You know, the singing over and over and over sort of kind of pressures people, but I've been in services before, of course, I think we all have, where uh, the, the preacher tells everybody to close their he- eyes, bow their head, and um, will say things like, I see that hand, I see that hand. Okay, all across the auditorium. Well, I'm in the back of the room. My eyes aren't closed. I'm looking around. And I've got my hands up going, I don't see any hands. I don't... Well, who are you talking about here? And there's sort of like this little bit of manipulation. I know there's a very well-known, prominent pastor of years gone by in my region who would have, you know, staff members or deacons' families walk the aisle and, and, you know, quote-unquote, come to Christ or join the church. And in a church that size, you didn't know all of those people. And so it sort of created... I would say that falls in the manipulation category. I'm 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 not sure about you guys, but that may be something y'all are hinting at with the controversy of spontaneous baptisms, but it kind of goes along
2: those same
1: lines, don't you think?
2: It's just pragmatism. Come on. There's mm-hmm. nothing yeah, wrong with a little pragmatism every And, now and I was going to say,
0: let's be honest that all of us, every single person on the planet embraces pragmatism to some level. You just oh, have yeah, to to some degree. you're going to stomach, and, right?
2: And, and yeah. for the record, I would never do that. Just I was just playing a little bit there. Just, I, I, don't, I don't want anybody to think that that I, I would actually do that. So,
1: do so then how do you handle it? What's, what's some things to keep in mind? Let's say that a pastor is wanting to make sure that they're sort of not manipulating or not um, twisting people's arms. What are some keys to play into? What are ways you guys think through it in the public invitation?
0: Well, I, I, one way that I, that we do it is I make the appeal before, you know, I make the appeal at the end of my message, and then I get out of the way. I'm available to pray with people. I don't stand up on the platform, pace back and forth, plead with people, beg people, um, try and move people emotionally. I make the appeal at the end of the message, and then I go down front, and I'm ready to receive people if they need to respond to to, to someone, you know, to, to Christ.
2: Yeah, I do, I do the exact same thing. I make the appeal once. We don't drag it out. Um, I've actually got a little cue that I give my worship pastor i put both of my hands behind my back when um, when I think hey let's just wind this thing down but I've also given my worship pastors leeway if they feel like they want to continue going on I said hey if you feel the spirit move you, you know you just go ahead so they can quote unquote overrule me on that but by and large you know, I'll put my hands behind my back and I just kind of say all right let's let's wind this down Mm-hmm. And the song winds down, and then and we move into uh, the closing announcements that we do. Um, but one of the things that I, I do is I will tell people in my congregation, I say, listen, some, this is during that appeal. I don't make it multiple times. I make it once. But during that appeal, I'll sometimes say, hey, you know, if someone comes forward, if we see someone walking the aisle, um, you may not know them. But what we can all do is pray for them. You may have no idea what's going on in their life. And if and if you feel like you want to 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 move, that you want to obey God and just show him that you're demonstrating your obedience, you're gonna have a bunch of prayer warriors behind you. And so I encourage people to pray through that time as well and pray specifically for people um who, who come forward. And our church is actually really good about more people coming behind them and just laying on of hands uh, when someone comes forward. So we kind of have a culture of if one person comes forward, there's usually five or six right behind them just to lay hands on. And again, it's it's not overdone. It's not manipulative. It's very genuine. It's just part of our culture. So it feels natural. It's not something that feels um, manufactured at all. Uh, But I do. I like that. And that's part of the reason that every week we – um, we offer this time of invitation, but but i 'll tell you it 's like about one out of every two weeks someone comes forward you know it's it 's not every week and and we 're okay with that too if we we offer the time of response, no one comes forward we 'll often just wind the service down and be done but i 'll say this just about every week someone does come forward and that it 's after the service, right? right so I do believe. I do believe that a time of response, even if no one comes forward during that time, does compel people to come talk to you after the service. I think if you cut it out, you, you don't really demonstrate to people. You don't tell them, hey, you need to respond. So I actually find more people, quote unquote, coming forward and talking to me after the service than I do um, during the time of response. But I believe it's the time of response that helps people do that. So I don't know. You, you guys agree, disagree? Am I wrong?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the ways that I try to think through this is to realize that the response time or the invitation, however you want to think through it, is just a continuation of what we're already doing. I don't think of it as an appendage. I don't. So I preach on tithing, let's say, and then I walk down to the front and say, hey, look, if you want to get saved, if you want to join the church, if you want to, you know, put all these kind of just, there's some uh, preachers who seem to just add on the same invitation to every single sermon. So I just see it as an extension, and that helps me think through, exactly. I actually think through what am I going to be inviting people to respond to? What am I inviting them, and how am I asking them to respond to this text? What does the text lead us to do? Another thing that we've tried to do, and it's my fault because we've kind of gotten away from it, but now having this conversation, I'd like to really kind of start it back up, is is like you were talking about there, Micah, with trying to convince or trying to encourage the members that nobody, this is for you to respond. So for several weeks, what I, I walked through, okay, I'm done preaching. And now we're about to have a time where we're going to corporately pray together. And this is a great time to pray together. I want to actually invite all of you members and all of you who are committed to the ministry and the mission of Christ here through this church to come down and pray this way. And so I will actually walk them through how we're going to do the corporate prayer time at the end. And so we've turned that invitation or that response time into corporately praying together for that message to go out, for our hearts to be changed, whatever it is. You know, walking them through praying that way. And it really was impactful as we did it. I kind of forgot about it, you know, week to week you you forget about different things and kind of moved away from it. But that was helpful for us.
0: Let me tell you a couple things um, that we do and are getting ready to begin doing um, that have, that have been helpful for us. And, and um, uh, in one of our uh, in one of our locations, with, you know, with uh, we're you know we're more temporary, so we have some more flexibility, and so this could be a little tougher depending on your environment. And I realize that, but we have moved the sermon towards the beginning of the service. So we do a welcome, we do one song and um and the offering, and then we go straight into the sermon. and then we usually do about three songs after the sermon. And we've been training our people the past few weeks to understand um, that we, you know that singing is our mechanism to in a sense, affirm certain things about ourselves, about God, and response to the Word. And yet in so many of our churches, we do all the singing up front. So it's as if we're speaking to God first, and then all of a sudden we wait for Him to speak back to us. And so we've reordered the service where we do the the Word first, and then our response uh, is afterwards with, you know, three songs afterwards. And it's taken a little while to help our people adjust and not just think, oh, wow, the service is over now that the sermon's done. Uh, so that's been one. And uh, again, just trying to reframe the way they view response. The other one, and you know, when I was a member of Fairview Church in Nashville where John Aiken was the pastor outside of Nashville, we did this. I believe he got it from his brother who's on staff with Tony Marita at Imago Day Church. So this is not new to us, but um, we use the um, communion and combine it with the invitation and response time. Uh, we're actually getting ready to move towards the, uh, to do this starting next month. Uh, actually, yeah, in just the next week or two at Brainerd, where I serve now. And what we do is, um, when it comes time to to go into the invitation, close out the message, and then we say, all right, if you're here today and you're a believer, you've been baptized, you're following Christ, we want to invite you to take the supper. And the way we do this is there will be three deacons at the front of the auditorium, three deacons at the back of the auditorium. They'll be holding the bread and the juice. We want to invite you, when we stand to sing, you get up and you move to one of those locations and you get the bread and juice and you come back to your um, seat. And that sounds like it could be chaotic. It really isn't. It really moves quickly and it, it makes it participatory. The invitation becomes participatory. And then we say, for those of you who are here and you've never believed in Jesus, we don't want you to take the supper. The Bible's clear the Lord's Supper is for those who follow Jesus, but we want you to take Jesus. So don't take the supper, but take Christ. And you can do that way. There's two or three pastors who will be here at the front. And uh, you just grab one of them and they'll be glad to pray with you and help you to trust Jesus. And the cool thing is it becomes a lot less intimidating for them because every single person in the room is getting up and and moving towards the front or the back of the room. Mm -hmm. And it turns the invitation into a holistic response time where every person in the room is engaged. And so they all, while we're singing that, that response song, they're singing, they're in line, they're getting their elements, they come back to their seat. When the song's over, we lead them in taking communion together. And then we go right into the next song. And so those two elements have helped. Turn the invitation into more of a corporate time of response and worship rather than just let's all fill time by singing while one or two people does business with God.
2: Yeah. yeah. I like that a man, lot. I I love the idea of starting the service with the proclamation of the word of God because then when the service goes long, it's the worship pastor's fault. <laughs> that is brilliant. I yeah, need, to do, I need man. to do that. I need to do that.
1: Yeah. I would have never thought of that. But
0: Why that, have
2: I never thought of this before?
1: That sounds like <laughs> a great, great way to do it.
2: So I think... What about s- you,
0: Sam? Oh, sorry. Have you, have you kind of been able to find more ways to help engage the whole church in the response time?
2: Yeah. Uh, we just encourage movement. Um, just general movement. Now, it, we have one of those old school shotgun style worship spaces where actually the, the back is the front, the front is the, is the back. So if you want to enter into the worship space, the only way you're, that you're going to get in there is like right by the stage. Why they design... I mean, I'm sure our listeners have... You know, it's it's one of those old, just shotgun, stained glass window type style churches. And and, and so movement's good for us, actually, because, uh, you know, there's always something going on in the worship space, because if you go out the back, then you have to go outside in order to, to get back around into the church, so... Yeah, at the end of the service, we just encourage people to start moving. Um, come forward. Um, inevitably there's I've got a handful of people that don't like to be late, late to their life group, so they're I'll think they're coming forward. I've learned who they are now. Like they, I, I think they're coming forward and then they just walk right out the door. Um but I, I guess it's good. Um and we also do a lot of prayer. We do a lot of laying on hands. We sometimes do uh child dedications at the end uh of the service as well, and I've found that to be very encouraging identifying again that's a whole nother that's a good podcast right there how to do a baby dedication or a child dedication
1: i'm writing these down you guys are full of um ideas in the middle of podcast but those are really- okay
2: and just for our listeners so it's 10:15 p.m. my time
0: <laughs>
2: on a sunday night and so i mean i've already preached all day we had a concert tonight i did deacon interviews this afternoon I don't, I don't even know my name at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need to listen to the podcast to remember what we said.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I and Mike know, has got to get know. up early in the morning for this. So Mike this has got to get up a... like 3 o'clock in the morning to get a flight. and Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, man, if we sound like comp- – and by the way, our concert tonight was bilingual, so I'm not even sure if I'm talking English or Spanish or what. ¿Cómo está? <laughs> Movie in no, consado consado stop consado. consado sleepy no is that sad I don't know I, I don't even know what I'm don't, saying don't anymore
1: Don't start trying Spanish words you've heard Don't don't just start saying Spanish <laughs> words you've heard That could get us <laughs> in a lot of trouble So okay. summarize uh, We got just like two minutes to go on this show But to summarize I think the idea is It's not like invitation good bad It's not It doesn't really kind of go into those two categories It's really you got to think through it and and find a way to use it and and for a lot of young pastors. Uh, Maybe the question is not so much should we do it, but just how should we do it? And how does this best resemble the desired outcome and the sort of the theology we have? Closing remarks from you guys?
0: Yeah, and I would say, let me just, my last little bit. If, If you're not a big fan of the invitation, don't think you have to kill it. Think about adding alternative methods along with it. We do this at our church. We say right up front at the very beginning, we have a little video that plays that says, we're glad you're here, you know, that sort of thing. At the end of the service, you can be directed to a next steps area. So people can respond during the public invitation. If that's not the way they want to respond, then we've got a place where pastors are waiting. And while Sam mentioned it earlier, more people come up afterwards. That's absolutely true for me. Every week, probably, uh, I was going to say five to one. It's probably 10 to one come up to me afterwards. I mean, I bet I have 20 people, 10 to 20 people every week. Who are who come up to me afterwards to talk, you know, and pray, and you know the whole nine yards. So, don't just kill the invitation. Think about finding ways to, to massage it, make it better, and add alternative meds for people to respond as well.
1: Absolutely. We hope you enjoyed the show. Have a good.